1: Welcome to the Business Plan for the Planet podcast, a series centered around ESG insights. In these episodes, you'll hear from experts whose work is at the heart of sustainability-linked trends and opportunities, as well as from businesses that are delivering change for a better future for us all. Join us as we shine a spotlight on their commitment to a sustainable future.
2: Hi and welcome to this very special podcast. This is Kelly Fisher, I'm the Head of Corporate Sustainability for HSBC Bank USA, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by my amazing colleague, Julie Bennett, who leads HSBC's Strategic and ESG Solutions Group in the
1: Americas. Thanks, Kelly. Great to be here today. Sure. Well,
2: I understand you recently took part in the FT's Climate Capital Summit, and I listened to the entire discussion. It was phenomenal around bringing the U.S. back to the race. I'm glad we have a little time now after hours to talk through that discussion. It was in-depth. It was very detailed. And I, knowing you, I think there's even more that we can probably add to that. Especially, I'd love to, to get a little more in-depth around what you're seeing for investors driving the climate change agenda forward. And something else that I know you and I talk about quite often is how corporates are doing so. So before we do that, let's listen to a little clip of the conversation so everyone can get a flavor of that.
1: Sure, so in this clip, uh, Derek Brower uh, from the FT, who is the host of the session, uh, is kicking off the focus on the corporate role in the sustainability agenda here in the US. Um, And I'm in conversation with Mindy Luber, who's the president of Ceres, a nonprofit sustainability advocacy organization based in Boston.
2: Great, all right, let's roll that clip.
0: Uh, Julie, let me, let me turn to, to you and ask about the corporate impact of all this politics, because there's been a huge shift, uh, a lurch from an administration that was doing lots to hinder climate rules, to promote fossil fuels, um, to one that is now prioritizing, uh, you know, it has targeted decarbonization of the power generation sector, net zero emissions across the economy by 2050, uh, UV charging stations sprouting up across the country, and so on. I guess my question to you is: from a corporate point of view, from a company's point of view, from an investor's point of view, it's rather head spinning to move from one extreme to the other in such, uh, you know, in, in the course of six months. It was only six months ago that there was methane deregulation um, uh, rules happening. You know, so I'm just curious to know, from the corporate point of view, is this does this give the right kind of signal to companies, or are companies sitting back and saying, "Well, hang on a sec," you know, and maybe in Uh, Two years' time, they'll lose the Senate. Maybe in three and a half years' time, they're already looking at another Republican. Maybe even Trump again. Who knows? I'm just. uh, Is is this volatility, in other words, a problem for investment of the kind that uh, Biden will need if he's going to reach his targets?
1: I think the very important. While we may have felt like we were at a standstill or going backwards uh, in the climate agenda for the last four years, from a policy perspective companies weren't standing on the sideline. Uh, Companies were making their own commitments. We saw in 2020 a doubling of companies committing to net zero. Not all of those are U.S. names, but a lot of significant companies in the U.S. have. There's also been a lot of innovation already happening to progress towards their net zero and a net zero economy overall, uh, with carbon capture being introduced uh, by some of the oil names. Wind turbine deployment ships being built by Energy Name decarbonization of the uh, data centers. So I think really a- across the piece, it wasn't they weren't waiting for it um, to to move forward. But I think what this does present is an opportunity um, of taking advantage of initiatives uh, to take projects off the shelf, or there's additional funding that might be available for initiatives that perhaps before seemed like a harder thing to move forward or get to collaboration with government. Um, I think that there's, it's much more moving ahead with plans rather than waiting to do something. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. And Mindy, I mean, clearly there's going to be this tailwind from the federal government. Uh, as Julie says, a lot of these companies were already moving in that direction and it feels indeed like in the past few weeks has been a, s- a slew of announcements that, uh, you know, reinforce that, that, um, Momentum, I suppose. How much should we believe it, though? I guess is my question. I've, I've, I've interviewed companies who who are pledging net zero and finished the interview wondering if they actually understand what net zero really means. How much do we trust this move by the corporates? The federal government, I think we you know, Joe Biden has campaigned on a, on this issue and he won an election uh, with that as a key campaign pledge. Corporates have different motivations, I think, and I wonder how much we can really trust what they're saying about climate at the moment.
3: Think about the last two or three years. Three years ago, if you said to a publicly traded Fortune 100 or Fortune 500 company, we'd like you to get to net zero by 2050. And of course, nobody even knew what it meant. And it's true. Not everybody knows what it means now. Um, But if you said those words, companies would have laughed me out of the room. And they did. You know, now we're seeing 500, 600 companies who have made net zero targets with short, medium and long term goals and with transparency. And they don't know exactly how they're going to get there, but we're sure going to help them and watch it and make sure it's clear and people are living up to their commitments. I'd say the following. I don't think any large company wants to put their reputation on the line and commit to something only to be proven that they didn't mean it.
2: Well, that was fantastic, Julie. I'm so glad that you took part in that and personally even learned a lot from listening to you you and Mindy. Let's dig a little in deeper here about what you all discuss. As we've seen, there are clearly a large number of factors, right, driving these commitments from these companies. I know some of it is, is pressure from employees, especially upcoming young talent, consumers. You know, you and I both have looked at a lot of research around consumers and what they expect, especially in different sectors. And, and of course, from investors. And to that effect, let's start there. Major asset managers have certainly made some huge commitments in the past couple of months. Can you talk a little bit more about these commitments and and how you're seeing the corporate clients especially respond to them?
1: Sure. So just in the past couple of months, we've seen BlackRock and Vanguard join an alliance called the Net Zero Asset Owners Alliance. And this is a group of over 25 asset managers that have come together to commit for their portfolios to be net zero in carbon emissions by 2050. These asset managers, with the addition of BlackRock and Vanguard, now represent assets under management of over $5 trillion. So this is a meaningful investor base as we think about how companies are accessing capital and that's really where this interplay comes of investors with the corporate activity and innovation on their side investors are also very much focused on this portfolio commitment they have is reiterated by their other commitments and focus blackrock has been very clear along with state street and vanguard in 2020 about climate risk being an investment risk. And this year BlackRock clearly stated that it expects companies in its portfolio to be outlining how their strategy will be aligned with a net zero economy uh, by 2050. That it's not just a risk, but you need to have a plan in place. We see from the investor focus on this, a demand for disclosure. The statements of last year also outlined expectations for companies to have sustainability reports and to be disclosing impact and these plans to address a a greener environment going forward. And we've seen a significant increase in publication of sustainability reports. And we also have heard from companies themselves saying that they've started to publish this data in response to the feedback they're having from investors and direct questions. That's great.
2: And so is this some kind of resurgence? And I uh, I know the answer I would have, but I'm really excited to hear your answer on this, which is, do you really think that American businesses took a break from climate change innovation during the, the Trump administration? Is that or is that, in fact, something that you think is a, a bit of a misconception?
1: Definitely misconception. I think that uh, the U.S. uh, corporate sector has certainly been in many ways leading the way uh, with innovation and not waiting for government mandates or direction and making their own commitments. We saw net zero commitments in 2020 double, and over 200 companies have committed to science-based targets, which are The top level of detail and being science-based, as the name says, how to be aligned with the Paris Accord um, and ambitions. And we've seen innovation across sectors, whether it's an energy company using wind turbine installation vessels, carbon capture innovation with the oil and gas space, the decarbonization of data centers. And also we've seen cross-sector collaboration, even within the, the previous administration of a tech company, an oil company, and an oil services company coming together, and how can we all learn from each other best practices and how to use data to measure and mitigate the impact that we have on the environment.
2: Yeah, and I, the, I certainly agree with you, and that that is absolutely what I've seen. I've seen some phenomenal American companies step forward in every sector and and really not be guided by the administration which you know is the wind blowing one way and the other and it's been incredibly inspiring and and i love what you started to touch on there about innovation and about these connections right between different sectors the oil and gas sector connected technology and so you know i think that we need to be equally innovative as a bank and i've been proud i think of the, the way we have been especially in working with you what are you seeing? What kind of innovations do you think that we need to continue to do to meet that demand, to be as innovative as, as the thinking um, that our clients are having?
1: I think that the if we go back to the core of the, the access to capital and sustainable finance markets, the evolution of those and the adoption in 2020, notably, we saw sustainable bond markets issuance up over 70% in 2020 over 2019 and certainly that pace is continuing into this year. And that's not so much there is certainly evolution and innovation of structures in that space, but this is these are levers that companies can use to fund their innovation, to fund their transition. We've also seen broader corporate adoption in the United States of corporate uh, sustainability linked loans where rather than funding being linked to a use of proceeds or a sustainability projects specifically, here, the cost of capital or the borrowing costs will be impacted by meeting sustainability targets. And we've seen this also last year in the bond markets, uh, sustainability-linked bonds principles were published, and we've seen over 60 sustainability-linked bonds issued since the publication of those principles in June. And again, it allows more flexibility of a way to reinforce uh, to the market and to investors, uh, sustainability commitments, and to have that economic linkage with those sustainability goals within your financing structure.
2: And do, do sustainability-linked loans even give you a little hope, a little optimism, given that companies, you're, you know, I know you've seen such an incredible
1: rise in them,
2: but they're linked to the companies actually making good on their
1: promises in a way, right? Exactly. So- f- for sustainability-linked loans, uh, the company, the borrower, defines a number of sustainability targets, and if those are met, uh, they can see a reduction in the margin on their the borrowing. But if they also aren't met, uh, there'd be a reciprocal increase in the margin. So it's very much tying the cost of capital with the sustainability uh, agenda and objectives. And as another way to demonstrate The commitments that companies are making and that's something that when you look at the commentary of the companies that have entered into uh, sustainable financing transactions in the bond markets or in the loan markets, very much see it as part and parcel of their broader sustainability strategy of combining business strategy and and financing strategy.
2: I know that you and I both hope that someday we won't even use the term sustainable finance it'll just be finance and it sounds like that's what what these companies are driving for so that's really very exciting i think so obviously the topic of this panel was about the us and us returning to to the climate change agenda although i like we've said i think there are a lot of people here that never left it but let's talk a little bit about what's upcoming you know biden is president biden are, is gathering World leaders from all over coming to D.C. in the end of April. We have the, the, you know, the Glasgow COP at the end of the year. I know that you don't have some magic crystal ball, but what do you think that that investors and companies might expect to come out of these? What are you what are you kind of with your experience and your wisdom thinking we're going to see?
1: There's many pieces that are already under discussion as we lead up uh, to November. And I think mean, one common theme that we're seeing both with the introduction uh, and beginning of the implementation of the EU taxonomy around ESG, but also here the SEC has launched a consultation on disclosure best practices for climate risk for, com- for corporate filers and all company filers for, for that matter, that disclosure transparency data measurement are really demands you continue to hear from investors that we're going to need if we're going to integrate climate risk assessment into banks and also clarity for our our companies and our corporates to understand what do they need to be disclosing um, there's quite a dispersion of frameworks and numerous investor responses that companies are being asked to respond to. So to have a a golden source or golden framework of how to be best communicating with investors, I think is something that's on the horizon. As I mentioned with climate stress tests briefly, with the Fed joining the network for greening the financial system, which is a coalition of central banks and supervisors globally, certainly is an indicator that we can expect further investigation and testing of bank balance sheets for uh, climate risk exposures within their activities and lending.
2: Well, Julie, thank you so much for your time today. I know how busy you are, so I incredibly appreciate having the time always to talk to you and, and learn from you, and I hope that our listeners found it to be as insightful as I did.
1: Thanks, Kelly. My pleasure.
2: So to all of you who joined us today, if you'd like to learn more about HSBC's commitment to a sustainable future, please visit business.hsbc.com sustainability. Also, if you want to know more about what we're doing here in the United States, visit business.us.hsbc.com sustainability. This is one of several Business Plan for the Planet podcasts. So please listen to the rest and, and thank you for joining us.
1: This has been a special podcast in the Business Plan for the Planet series. More episodes will follow shortly, so please do keep an eye out for those. For more information on the
0: programme, visit business.hsbc.com forward slash sustainability. Thank you for joining us for HSBC Talks Business. To learn more about anything you heard today, please visit business.hsbc.com.